views and opinions expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of their employers. This podcast may not be suitable for children. Adults may find details triggering and or offensive. Listener's discretion is advised. Hi, this is Priscilla. And this is Norma. And you're listening to... It's the mystery for me. Period. Instagram and some posts get pretty detailed about the history of the holiday and it's always a reminder that our ancestors were resilient AF we gonna keep fighting the good fight y'all period um just a PSA really quick most of our episodes will be just one and done unless there's extensive info and if I can't fit it into an hour and Norma's like reactions can't fit into one hour (laughs) Um, then we will do two parts, but most of the time I will say it'll be one part. Anyways, welcome to track number four. This episode is about the Sharita Williams case. Sharita's from New Jersey, by the way, so it's not too far from home. Yeah, close to home. Very close to home. Unlike our previous episodes, today's episode is a solved case. But I think it hits just the same as the unsolved cases do. I mean, it still leaves your stomach in knots and makes you want to scream, why, while sliding down a wall dramatically and slowly. (laughs) I was going to say that you could put your detective hat away today, but you might need it because this case has just as many twists and turns. Just letting you know, Norma. Great. You ready? Are they ready for my reactions? I don't know if they're ready. I hope so. Okay, well, here we go. (laughs) So our sources list isn't super long, so I'm going to go ahead and name some of the sources we use today. Um, One of them being the On the Case with Paula Zahn episode that I watched. I love that show, by the way. I've watched so many episodes. Um, But definitely watching it and then comparing it to other sources, I realized how many gaps there were. So I watched that episode I would say this. I watch most of Paula Zahn episodes with one lens on, like, this is the story. And then me doing my own research, I realized, like, wow, they really cut a lot out that was super important. I'll point that out, like, during certain parts of the story. But I was surprised to, like, know that. And now when I watch it, I'm going to feel differently. I'm going to be like, is this really what happened? Hmm. Is this all the tea, Paula? I don't know. I mean, you, could, you can blame it on a bunch of things, right? Like production and editing and they need to fit it into an hour time frame which is really just like 42 minutes yeah if you count commercials if you count commercials yeah so but again certain parts that they left out i was really surprised like that they left like certain things out and you'll see what in a little bit obviously feel free to jump in and comment whenever you feel it in your spirit oh i will (sighs) sharita was only 16 years old when she was murdered by some dumbass coward. 16. Yes. Our episodes so far have been, what, 27 years old. Yeah. 
34, mm-hmm. now 16. <sighs> so let's talk a little bit about who Sharita was. Sharita was the middle child in her family. She had an older sister and a younger brother. Her nickname was Sunshine because she had the ability to brighten everyone's day. This is what her, like, obituary said. Obituary? How do you say that? Like that? Okay, I'm sorry, you know. The Spanish, you know, the Spanish be slipping in there sometimes. I confuse my words, but you know. Anyways. I see a common pattern, though, when we do these episodes that, like, every person is almost always described as, like, brightening people's day. You know? Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, and I saw a TikTok like that where they're, like, they said the same thing and they were like, yeah, so if someone describes you as that, your days are numbered. That's what the TikTok Great. said. Don't tell me that. You know what? Norma okay. brightens my day. It's okay because Michelle and mom always say that I'm really mean. So this is okay. Okay. This Norma's okay. fine. Anyways, back to Sharita. She loved to dance, listen to music, and watch movies with her family at home. I mean, this sounds like sounds any... Like us. Yeah, it sounds like any family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Especially us. This is what we do. On the weekends. Um, And really every day if I can convince them to like put their laptops down. She loved to cook and sweet potatoes was one of her favorite dishes. Her friends had nothing but great things to say to her. Her friend Ariel said on the on the case with Paula Zahn episode that she was just say to her. They had nothing but good things to say to her. Oh, no. About her. I'm sorry. I'm sure they said good things to her, too. Right. (laughs) Like, I mean, I wouldn't want to have a friend who said bad things to me unless I needed to hear it. But anyways, her friend Ariel um, described her as having a kind soul during her interview on the case with Paula's on episode. Sharita had dreams of becoming a social worker, which is a tough job. It really is. There are people who like get killed on the job as a social worker. Yeah. And it's just like, and I think it's also one of those jobs where you have to take your work home with you. A lot of the times, like you might try to leave. I mean, it would be healthier if you could just leave it at, you know, leave it at the office, quote unquote. But I feel like it is one of those jobs where it's like, it's heavy. Yeah. I was just about to say that. Very heavy. That's emotionally heavy. Yeah. But she also loved photography too. She had that creative gene in her. So... I know that she would have gone on to do, like, great things. Like, even, like, integrating the whole social work and, like, photography thing, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It could have been some sort of, like, art program to, like, help certain kids. I don't know. But there was, there's endless, there was endless potential. And unfortunately, some, you know, just vile human being, I mean, can, I don't know if, should we even call him a human being? He was a piece of shit, honestly, ended her life before it even started so i'm sorry but no i'm pissed say it like it is gotta say it like it is period you know what i also noticed that like i repeat what you say sometimes you'll say say it like it and i repeat it i also say the word like a lot a lot which i we all do we all do yeah but it's weird listening back because i actually listen back norma doesn't listen back she's afraid of her own voice not give, me, me. give me a few more episodes. Yeah. Give me a few more episodes and maybe yeah. I'll get into that. Right. So in September 2003, Sharita started her junior year at the local high school. This is all happening in Pensacola, New Jersey. I think that's how you say it, Pensacola, New Jersey. Okay. So she went to high school there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And junior year is like an exciting time in a teenager's life, right? You're thinking about junior prom, even senior prom. You're thinking about what colleges you're going to go to. Um, it's 2003, so you probably are trying to think about how to call that guy you like on the phone, you know, you know, flip phone, flip phone or house yeah. phone, three-way yeah. conversation, all that stuff. So, you know, that's what's on your mind as a 16-year-old, not anything like what ends up happening, right? At this point, also, you're still under the care of your parents. You don't have that much responsibility, but you're inching closer to adulthood. But I feel like it's just like that sweet spot. Yeah. It's a nice age. I wish I could go back to 16. Can you tell I miss it? Can you tell? Just a little. Just a little. See? Yeah. (laughs) I did it again. (laughs) Anyways, this devastating story begins just two months into her junior year of high school. On November 28th, and that's a Friday, slash Thanksgiving weekend of 2003, so roughly almost 18 years ago, is when things go seriously left. On Friday, November 28th, 2003, Sharita went to get her nails and eyebrows did. Okay, she liked to look good. It's a holiday. It's a holiday. It's a holiday weekend, you know, gotta look cute. And it seems like she was supposed to sleep at her friend Pinky's house. Before she leaves her house, so this is before she goes to the nail salon that day, her mom tells her to be careful. And her dad is like in the next room. I don't think he actually sees her at this Mm. point. Okay. And she says something back like, I'm 16. I'll be fine. Nobody going to touch me. You know, nobody going to bother me. You know? Mm -hmm. And that's the last time her parents saw her or spoke to her. So now let's fast forward to the next day, November 29, 2003. And so it's Saturday morning. Her dad gets home from his shift as a correction officer. The mom says to him at this point, you know, Sharita has not come home and she hasn't called. And he knows right then and there that something's wrong because Sharita always called. Mm -hmm. They called Pinky and Pinky says, you know, she's not here. She never came by. And they start immediately panicking, right? Teenagers do this sometimes, though, right? Like, you might say you're somewhere when you're really not there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I don't know if Pinky at first, like, said, oh, she was here. Because the way they made a scene was, like, Pinky was also confused and was like, no, she never came by and never lied for right. her. Which is totally fine. I feel like that's the responsible thing to do. You never know if there's an emergency, right? So if you're a kids and listening out there, do not lie for your friends when it... You know, yeah, no, tell the truth because you never know. Could slow yeah. things down, could slow down the investigation. So, anyways, they figure out that she did go to the salon and she left like around six o'clock. Video footage actually shows this happening, so it is confirmed. They call the police. The police either come to her house. I'm thinking they did because of something else that comes up later on. So let's just say they came to her house. They mm-hmm. tell. Um, her parents say, you know, I want to file this missing persons report. And what do you think they say? I'm not really sure. They said that they couldn't do it because it hasn't been 48 hours. I was going to say that, but I wasn't sure. Why are you getting so angry? (laughs) I was going to say that, but you seem like you were insinuating it was something else. No, that's what they said. Okay. And they also, they insinuated that maybe she had run away. They love to do that one. 
I mean, maybe it's, you know. Especially with teenagers. It's teenagers, you know. They might, But the, you know, the parents insisted, as all parents would, like, my kid isn't like that. My kid isn't going to run away. But again, they did not take the report. So basically what happens is the parents take things into their own hands and they start searching for Sharita themselves. Mm-hmm. The first place it seems like the dad goes is to Greg's house. So Greg is Sharita's boyfriend slash possibly somebody she's dating different sources say different things but Mm -hmm. he's somebody in her life a romantic interest his house is in camden new jersey so from pensac in new jersey to camden new jersey i looked it up and it's about a 14 minute drive so it's not too far away and camden is actually on the border like between going into like philadelphia actually in pennsylvania yeah so it's right there all right, so let's talk about Greg's age for a second because this is also pretty confusing, but I saw in one source that they specifically said Greg was, well, guess how old do you think? Don't tell me he's 30. No. Why do you say 30 like that? I don't, I don't, because she's 16. I There's mean, nothing wrong with being 30. I'm yeah. What, I'm not trying to attack you for Oh, being okay, 30. okay. Whew. Thought you were coming for me. No, he wasn't, he wasn't that old. So he's in his 20s. He's in his 20s early 20s early 20s 22 close enough okay 22 it came up in one source i feel like in the on the case with paula zahn episode and i also i should have mentioned also that um because in the beginning i think i started listing the sources and then kind of got lost in like my explanation of like watching on the case with paula zahn a lot Mm -hmm. but i also looked at anatomy of a murder which is a podcast episode and I also, well, I listened to that, right? Because it was podcast. And I also read an article by the Philadelphia Inquirer that was published in 2011. So hmm. sorry for like totally having a brain freeze. Those are really my list of sources. And they will still be up on the site today, later today, or right now, actually. So you guys can go ahead and check that out. Anyways, back to what I was saying. So we talked about Greg's age, different Sources say different things, but one source seemed to confirm that he was, in fact, 22 years old. Um, Were her parents aware, though, that he was 22 years old? That I'm confused about, because in the episode Anatomy of a Murder, it seems like the dad knew Greg. And he almost, like, insinuates that Greg is around Sharita's age. At least that's how the editing sound makes it sound. Yeah. He says something about like either Greg buying him a birthday gift or him buying Greg a birthday gift. This birthday gift was like a fishing pole or something. I don't know. But in on the case with Paula Zahn, it made it seem like they didn't really know. And her friends, like they were interviewing her friends and they were making it sound like, you know, this was something secretive, which would make sense. You know what I'm saying? You're a teenager. You, you don't really want your parents in your business, especially like a romantic life. It's a little right. awkward to have those kinds of talks. And, I mean, it's not totally far-fetched. I'm just curious about where they would have met. That's my question. But some of these dudes be hanging around high schools. It's kind of weird, but... Mm -hmm. So, anyways, back to Greg and the search. So, the dad actually goes to Greg's house, and Greg's mom comes to the door. And he asks her point-blank, like, was my daughter Sharita here last night? And she says, oh, yeah, she was here. But I turned her away. And the dad's kind of like, okay, why? And she goes, well, you know, Greg was sleeping. He had to go to sleep because he works two jobs. His next shift was going to be at 1130. I think Sharita had showed up around like 630-ish around there. And she was like, yeah. So I told her like he was sleeping. 
like bye basically and closes the closes the door now think about it i can't speak closes the door (laughs) but think about it this way like it's november at the end of november it's dark outside yeah. at this time yeah I so think about that. you're closing the door to a 16 year old and you clearly could probably know looking at her that she's not you know that she is a teenager so i'm just like oh really like i feel like that was kind of messed up to do mm-hmm. okay it's just and it wasn't like the best area in, in fact the bridge that she would take to walk over to greg's house she was super afraid of that bridge and she would tell her friends like how scared she was. It was just very creepy. Okay. So why not just let her in or just be like, call your parents. I would be, yeah. I would do that. Yeah. Just come in the house. Come in the it's house, late or I'm going to drive you home. Yeah. You know, that's what I would have done. But she's like very nonchalant about it. So like his, you know, his radar is up now. He's like, okay, this lady doesn't seem to care. Like I told her my daughter's missing and she's kind of, She's just like, yeah, well, she was here and I told her to, you know, he's sleeping and told her to go. Anyways, it's Saturday afternoon at this point and her parents continue to search. At some point, her mom gets this like feeling to search the bridge. I don't know why she does like, I don't know what that feeling was, but she goes there. I don't think the dad is with her at first. So he, she just goes by herself there and she's searching and she finds a body under the bridge. What? Yes. This is an interesting thing. She calls 911 to report it. And she's literally screaming. I need to find this audio so you can listen to it. She's like, hi, I found a body under the bridge. Like, my daughter's missing, but I, I don't think it's her. But I found a body. Like, can you send, you know, but it's not her. She keeps, oh. she's adamant. It's not her, but send somebody. Girl, it's Sharita. Oh. Yeah. I had a lot of questions at this How? point. I mean, her mom is adamant that is not her, but right, right. So this part was confusing, and yeah. and between both episodes that I listened to, right, it didn't really elaborate on why the mom didn't think it was Sharita, right? Like the mm-hmm. mom saw what she was wearing when she left. I don't know if maybe her face wasn't showing. Maybe her body was like face down. I'm thinking like. You know, but that, I mean, I was a little confused by that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she probably didn't even get close enough to the body. Maybe she didn't get close. She yeah, didn't touch it. No, no, she didn't touch you know, it. Situation, Thankfully, really she didn't, right? Yeah. Because, like, evidence needs to be preserved. Yeah. And uh, it's tough. You want to, I mean, if she knew it was her, she probably would have moved her, hugged yeah. her, Sharita, shook her, yeah. you know, and that distorts, like, you know, whatever evidence they got going on there so yeah. she calls 911 she also calls her husband and her husband comes too because it's like he probably has a feeling like this could be Sharita like let me not leave her out there by herself so her husband comes Sharita Sharita's aunt comes and that's like the husband's sister she comes and I think the police before you know anyone knows that is her right because I jumped ahead they like have the aunt like escort her away and stuff like that. Um, interestingly enough, though, like the anatomy of a murder episode said that she was put into the back of a police car. I don't know. Whatever. She was escorted away is the point. I guess they didn't want her there when they try to make the identification. Right. Um, eventually, they they do identify her. And at this point, they've, you know, Sharita's parents are home with the aunt 
And they go there and they show her a picture of Charita from the morgue. And I mean, they broke down. Like the aunt described it as like a scream, you know, you don't want to hear from somebody. It's just that kind of defying, like Mm -hmm. just crazy scream, pain, all these emotions in one, you know, one burst of energy. It's like crazy. Can only, I could only imagine what is equally sad is that her dad says this on the case with Paula Zahn. I wore a uniform. I wore a badge. I had the obligation to protect and to serve, but I couldn't protect my own. That's the part that gets me. That's, That's so what he sad. said. So sad. Wow. I just, my mind is blown. I was not expecting it to be her body. You weren't? No. Yeah, I mean, this this bridge, from what I read, there are drug addicts there. There's, like, that's what, in my homeless mind, people. That's so, what I was thinking. Like, right. okay, it might be just someone else randomly. Right, there. but not Sharita. But not her. What are the chances that her mom finds her, right? Yeah. It's just really sad. All right, so I'm going to get into a little bit of the details of how Sharita was found. Like, you know, what position, things like that. So if that's not... You know, something you want to hear, you should just skip forward 30 seconds or a minute. Okay, so Sharita, like I said, was found under the bridge. And she was laying on her back, actually. So she was not face down. That's why it's even more... Oh, that is so... This is why I'm even a little bit more confused, but... Strange, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and the way they described it is she didn't have anything covering her face. She had a bandana around her neck. I mean... On the case with Paula Zahn described it as a bandana, but I later learned that it was a do-rag. Guys, there there is a huge difference between a bandana and a do-rag. And, it, you know, if you yeah. if you just don't know and you're not part, you know, you don't understand the black people culture, just say that. <laughs> Sorry, our dog's barking. They also found her hands tied behind her back with the cloth of her jacket. So I'm assuming she was wearing like a pea coat for that scenario to be true. Or I mean, I guess it could be a jacket with a buckle on it if you if it was removable. Yeah. But her mm-hmm. hands were tied behind her back. Um, now I'm going to go ahead and shift over to the medical examiner's report and what, you know, what they said caused her death. So it turns out that Sharita died of suffocation but it's not exactly how you think it does seem like whoever killed her of course strangled her but this part is the more like honestly very shocking part i've never heard anything like this basically they found two plastic bags stuffed into her mouth and deep into her throat specifically Modell's sporting goods bag I've never, like, I've watched a lot of cases on TV. I've never seen some, heard anything like that. And the detectives on the case, on especially on the on the case with Paula Zahn episode, they also said the same thing, where they've never seen anything like that. I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts about that? Well, that is very specific. That's a specific method of killing someone. That's yeah. for sure. It sounded like this person was just very angry and yeah, just wanted to like... Very violent. Yeah, it's yeah. so violent. Mm-hmm. It seems to me very personal. Yes. That's the vibe I got. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, 
just mortifying just hearing about this. So, I mean, this is horrible. 16 years old. I'm thinking she was suffer- suffocated, something tied around her neck. That's they what had I was a, thinking. They had a bandana. Or, like, she had a bandana. Not a bandana. Look at me oh, using no, the... Oh, not the bandana. Let me, let, me, let me use the politically correct term. <laughs> she had a do-rag tied on her. And I think it was around her neck. So, they... The way they just they described it is that like there was it seemed like there was some sort of suffocation. It might have been with the do rag. It might have been with his hands too. Yeah, this person I should say their hands because you'll see with the suspects it really gets confusing as far as like who could it be, but it could be their hands. I mean, but they definitely. I mean, the final the of... final thing really yeah. was just stuffing the bags. But you know what? The killer made a mistake when they stuffed the bags, those specific bags from that specific store, down her throat. And you'll see why in a bit. I can't wait to see this. So what else did they find? They found that her underwear were torn off, so she just had jeans on. And at that point in time, there was no biological evidence recovered. Okay? At that point in time. Hmm. So let's talk about... The suspects that the police had at this point. Please do. I mean, I think the first one's going to surprise you. They suspected Sharita's parents. What? Yes. And the On the Case with Paula Zahn episode left this out entirely. But the Anatomy of a Murder episode, podcast episode, has Sharita's dad talking on it as well. I mean, he's on the On the Case with Paula episode, you know, Zahn, whatever. You know the name of the show. He's on that show, too, and he's talking, but, like, he's also talking to them. And, yeah, Sharita's parents were suspects. Next on the suspect list is Greg, her boyfriend. I think that one was pretty, like, obvious. obvious, The third person on the list, Greg's other chick, slash booed, slash whatever, Shantae. There was another girl? There was another girl. This dude was a slime ball. Uh, and poor Sharita, like, going through this, you know? Like, she's only 16. Yeah. I don't even know if she knew about this other girl, but we'll talk about that in a second. So a few days after the tragic discovery of Sharita's body at the bridge, the cops go back, and they found her underwear there when they got back. But there was no biological evidence recovered on it. They also found a way for it. A Modell's receipt dated what? this dated for the same day she disappeared. And what kind of bags did she have stuffed down her throat? Modell bags. Modell bags. Yeah. So hmm. let's add Modell's window shopper because this fool only bought one T-shirt. So we're going to call him a window shopper. We're going to add that person to the list of suspects. So now Sharita's parents, Greg, Greg's other girlfriend, Shantae, and Modell's window shopper. Okay. So let's go ahead and just talk about, break down each suspect and basically start eliminating people. So Sharita's parents, law enforcement were weirded out that her parents found her before they did. This is why they consider them suspects. And that's why I'm saying that the cops likely went and took that report initially in person or went to the house when the parents called them at first saying, you know, Sharita's missing and can you help us? I'm pretty sure they must have gone in person because that was something else that came up where they were like, it was the same cop showing up to the scene when the mom makes that 911 call from the bridge. 
So now these cops are coming there and they're like, hey, how is it that you guys found her before we did? Well, you didn't want to take the report. Right. You said wait 48 hours. You know, you were trying to follow protocol. But I feel like, okay, even if you're following protocol, you can't find, you can't send one person out or two people out to look still or to gather something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I digress. That's a whole other topic. Um, so of course they end up giving the mom a voice stress test. So it's just kind of, it's basically like a lie detector test, but it's just about like checking like your tone of voice and all these other things, the pitch, et cetera. And it's also not allowed in like every single state and it's most certainly almost always inadmissible in court, you know, Mm -hmm. as evidence. So there's that. But anyways, the mom gets the voice stress test and she's cleared. The husband knew the whole time, right? Sharita's dad knew, like, his wife had nothing to do with it. He thought this was absurd. But, you know, they were just like, let's just, you know, we got to go along with it. They didn't really have a choice. Clear their names. Yeah. Yeah. But the On the Case with Paula Zahn episode just made it seem like the cops and Sharita's parents were, like, buddy-buddy. So that's what I'm kind of like, okay, you didn't have to, you know, maybe you didn't have time to delve into this theory or, like, the fact that her parents were suspects. But... I don't know. That kind of painted a false narrative to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyways, let's go on to suspect two because her parents are now off the list. Greg, her 22-year-old boyfriend slash boo thing. Let's go on to suspect number two, Greg, the 22-year-old boyfriend slash boo thing, etc. We know his mom was not a huge fan of Sharita. She turned her away at the door. But the police wanted to talk to Greg they needed to him to verify the story, right? They did talk right. to they talked to his mom. She said the same thing she had told Sharita's dad. Okay, fine. But they were just like, okay, Greg, so did you talk to Sharita? Did you see her? He said he didn't see her, and that checked out, that he didn't see her. Um, he said that he talked to her once, and then he turned off his phone because he needed to get some sleep for work. Again, he was supposed to work at 1130. Apparently, Greg, you know, on top of being this, like, two-timing person, also works two jobs. So, you know, he was needed his rest. Okay. So the police were like, okay. But then they pulled Greg's, you know, phone records, as they Mm -hmm. always do. Yeah. And it tells a different story. Okay. It shows that he didn't necessarily shut off his phone because his boo thing, Shantae, had called him up. Okay, Shantae had called him up. Come Come on, on, Greg. Do better, Greg. Come on. So anyways... This was, I mean, I don't, I don't think this is like holds so much weight, but Sharita did call Greg from the payphone, which was one block away from his house, 16 times. She, he only spoke to her one time out of those 16 times, but she called him 16 times. Huh. And at that point, listen, at that point you are frustrated. I've called people. (laughs) I've at least called at least one person. Wait, she called him from a payphone? Yeah, from a payphone. 16 16 times. times. Yeah. She had that many quarters on I don't know. Can you do collect call? You know what? (laughs) Let me not even I don't even know. Like, the era. Like, it's... I can't remember how it works. I don't know how it works. Yeah. But, yeah. I've been there before, so I understand the frustration. She must have been really annoyed with Greg. Mm -hmm. Um, What's interesting is that Greg's phone record shows Shantae as being in the area at the time of those phone calls with Shantae. So like now we got to let's go on to suspect number three, Shantae, Greg's other girlfriend. So Shantae is 18 years old, by the way. 
She says she has never met Sharita. She didn't even know, like, she existed, that whole thing. The police obviously bring her in for, like, to question her because they're like, uh, the phone record showed, like, you were nearby. Right. But she's like, mm-mm. She's tight-lipped about it. Different sources say different things. Some sources say she just kind of was, like, nonchalant, which made her more suspicious to police. And other sources seem to say, like, you know, she just didn't want any involvement. And maybe that's why she was being the way she was. But either way, they gave her a voice stress test, and it showed that she was being deceptive. Huh. Yes. Okay, so why don't they arrest Shantae at this point? Because they don't really have anything to really link her to the scene. Like, no biological evidence had been recovered. There's not much evidence on anything at this point. So they don't pursue her super hard. But then, let's talk about suspect number four, Modell's window shopper. Because, I mean, like like we said, well, like I said in the beginning, or in the middle or something, <laughs> Modell's receipt was found, you know, and it had a timestamp and everything. And it was found, and it, it was dated the day that Sharita met, went missing, so it was dated for that Friday. And you know what the Friday is after Thanksgiving. Black, Black Friday. Friday. So they go to Modell's, and they ask a cashier, you know, do you remember, like, anyone coming in and buying a black t-shirt? Because apparently that's what the person had bought. A black t-shirt, really? Okay. Anyways, um, the per- the cashiers are all like, no, I don't remember because it was Black Friday. They had so many shoppers. Yeah. But yeah. Models did have cameras, but the cameras didn't work. Are we surprised? This is every Ugh. damn story, every damn true crime story that I hear, and they say they got cameras. It never works. It's really annoying. But anyways, didn't work, but the police ended up doing something that I feel like was pretty smart police work. They asked them to pull all credit card receipts and they talked to people who had purchased things around the same time as this person. Because this person, mm-hmm. the Models window shopper, they only, they purchased it in cash. So there was no way to like know who this was, okay? Anyways, yeah. they talked to these people and nothing. They got nothing. They also talk to people around the bridge, the homeless person, the drug addicts, whoever is around the bridge, nothing. So at this point, we've gone through the list of suspects, the four suspects, and the case is going cold. Yeah. A few years have passed. What? A few years at this point has passed. Yes. And then, boom, a new break in the case. They found semen on her pants. So what do they do? They roll up to Greg's house. Okay, because you said you weren't with her and you had nothing to do with You know what I'm saying? And wait, how are, wait, 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 wait. How are they now just figuring that out? That's what I said too, because they had her pants already. And remember, yeah. like I said, at that point in time, they didn't have any biological evidence that was recovered. Yeah. That's why I emphasize at that point in time. But apparently now they do. Sometimes it takes a while to process these things, though. But like I said, it's been a few years. It's been a few years. It has to have been at this point like a year and a half or two years. Okay? So they go to Greg. They roll up on Greg and they're like, we need your DNA. Greg gives them his DNA and it's not a match. So Greg is officially crossed off the suspect list. So that leaves us with Shantae and this hashtag like Models Window Shopper. They enter this into CODIS, and there's also no match in the CODIS database. So basically, by the way, CODIS stands for Combined DNA Index System. But fun fact, they just collected their 20 millionth sample 
like two months ago. And it's a program started by the FBI. It was started in the 90s, actually. And the FBI site says CODIS links unknown DNA left during the commission of a crime to offenders who are legally required to provide samples for the database. So when you're arrested, a lot mm-hmm. of the times you're, you have to provide some sort of DNA, you yeah. know? Back in the day, it was fingerprints. Now it could be more than that. It could be a, you know, buccal swab, like, inside yeah. of your cheek, thing like that, things like that. But it has also helped, according to the FBI site, it has helped 545,000 investigations. So it's able to link people from different jurisdictions. I think that's the bonus part about the CODIS system where, and, and it also combines like federal and state labs and all these things in the United States. And so you could have a serial killer going around the country and the New York lab is part of the CODIS program. So they enter their DNA and someone in Cali enters their DNA and now you have a match. And now, you know, it's just, it's, it's been a really great thing. Great addition to like law enforcement. Yeah. So that's what CODIS is. So they entered the DNA into the CODA data, CODIS database, hoping for a match, but there was no match. So now the case really does go cold. Almost every Monday, Sharita's dad calls the detective on the case to remind him that they need answers, that he's not letting up. And I'm like, wow, what a dad. What an amazing dad. Her family would hold a march across the bridge on the anniversary of her death every single year, and they would contact newspapers like the Philadelphia Inquirer to do stories on her. On February 1st, 2007, at this point, it's more than three years later. Yeah. There's a match in the CODIS database. Yes. Who is it? Ooh, child. Well, it ain't Shantae. So now we've crossed out Sharita's parents, Greg and Shantae. Yeah. Okay? So all we have left is the Models window shopper. It's the Models window shopper, apparently. It's Warren Dixon. This name has never come up in the investigation. Who the hell is that? <laughs> that yeah i'm gonna tell you who he is well first of all let me tell you how it came up right he had been convicted on a drug charge so he was like obligated to like legally give his dna sample that's what happened they put it in codis and then there was a hit um basically warren had class with sharita at pensacon high school he was in her english class what he was in her english class yes Mm mm-hmm he tried to tell police that he was involved with Sharita, and I mean involved in that way, uh-huh. So cops didn't really believe him because he was described as a loner by a lot of her friends, and it made it seem like, honestly, that he was obsessively interested in her. And what I also found to be really interesting is that he stopped showing up for school the weekend after Thanksgiving weekend. He literally just never showed up. Hmm. it's been three and a half years. There's nobody who flagged this. This wasn't flagged for truancy. I mean, this is coming from a teacher standpoint. I used to be a teacher before I was a lawyer. And this thing got flagged. It was never flagged. I would think as cops, like, did the cops ever go to the school? Did they ask around? You know what I'm saying? Like, it didn't seem like it. Police did interview him, and he admits to knowing her. And like I said, he does this whole thing where, oh, we were involved, blah, blah, blah. He also says... I didn't kill, I didn't kill the bitch. He ends up going back to be interviewed again. He actually goes to the prosecutor's office because they want to get a hair sample. Remember the do-rag they found? Mm-hmm. 
it the fibers did not match her DNA, so they were just trying to see like whose DNA does it match. Right. And so they do that. And they got a DNA sample from him, his hair sample, I mean. And during this time in the prosecutor's office, he asks a hypothetical question. This is so typical, honestly, but this is what he says. If I was responsible and it was an accident, do I go to jail? Like for how long, you know? No, Boy, if you don't get out of here, he's a real real fool. He a real fool for that one. But anyways, it's the audacity for me. The audacity. He never confessed to it in that moment or anything like that. And the lab results come back from, you know, with the hair and it's not a match. What? Yes, it's not a match. Norma's looking <laughs> Norma's so confused right now. She's just frozen. And it's not the Botox. It's I just... feel like we're playing a, a game of clue. No. Seriously, right? And like I said in the beginning, this is a solved case. So what happens next? Let me tell you. The police had enough probable cause to arrest him. So they yeah. arrest him. Okay. So what makes up this probable cause? Right. So he lived nearby at the time of the murder. Like his mom had a house right near the bridge. The semen on her pants did match him. Mm. Okay. He apparently told a friend that he got away with it. And that friend somehow told Sharita's mom Again, six degrees of separation here. I don't know how that happened, but that that does come up in sources. And like I said before, he dropped out of high school after Sharita's murder. So that was enough. And I mean, these are the things that the sources say. I don't know if it's anything beyond that, but that was enough for them to arrest him. So on February 2nd, 2009, he was charged with the sexual assault and murder of Sharita Williams. The interesting part about this is like during his arraignment, he wouldn't stand up. Court officer had to hold his ass up. He wouldn't acknowledge the judge. Like, the court officer had to hold his face at a p- one point. I'm like, what? oh, you're like a child. At this point, by the way, he's like 25 years old-ish. Okay? Around in his 20s. Because it's been mm-hmm. a few years. Yeah. By the end of this, he takes a plea deal. And he ends up being sentenced in the end of May slash June 2011. So, yes, it's been seven plus years of this point of agony and questions and wanting answers. When you take a guilty plea deal, you have to admit to certain things. So he does say that he killed her because she didn't want to have sex, that she didn't consent to sex, et cetera, et cetera. So he's saying that, but people believe, especially the detectives and her family, that there's more to the story. And he, he hasn't been forthcoming about this more quote unquote. Okay. Mm -hmm. He was charged with sexual assault and murder, but when he ultimately accepted the plea deal, he accepted lesser charges of attempted sexual assault and manslaughter. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know why that is, right? Why do you think that? Why do you think they didn't go to trial? Did they not feel that they had enough evidence for like a guilty conviction. Yeah, you know, listen, that's exactly it. You know, juries are unpredictable. Yeah. You got a a good enough lawyer up there to tell a story about this guy, Warren Dixon. I mean, he could walk. He could have walked. So I think the family just didn't want to be put through the agony. Um, The prosecutors probably didn't want to like, you know, have him possibly walk. Yeah. And so they let him take the, the guilty plea to those lesser charges, and he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. He also had to waive the right to any appeal. 
So he could not go, you know, submit his case to a higher court and say like, oh, I had ineffective assistance of counsel or this or that happened. That that can be waived. Yeah, that can be waived. I didn't know that. Yeah. You'll learn that in the third year of law school. No, I don't know. (laughs) What class did you learn that? I don't know. Well, in some classes, con law, criminal law. Oh, criminal procedure. I haven't taken that yet. Oh, you haven't taken crim pro? Okay. I love crim pro. Great class. Anyways. Of course, are we surprised? This fool was dragged out of the courtroom. He refused to walk with his bitch ass. I'm sorry, but it's just too much. Is there video footage of this? This There might be video footage. I'll try okay. to find it. He sounds like a punk ass bitch, so I no. just want to No, really. He's a, in real ugh, time. He's just really, it's just really frustrating. Like the fact that you don't, you have the balls to do this. You have the balls to take someone's life away. And now you, you don't have the balls to face the consequences. Mm -hmm. Really just ridiculous. Honestly, he's up for parole in 2026 and Sharita's dad plans to be at the hearing to prevent him from getting out. He plans to go to every hearing. But again, if you're sentenced to 20 years... He, I thought he was sentenced to 20 years. Or he was. Or he sentenced to 20 to life? Like, what's No, he was sentenced to 20 years. So let me be clear. When he is actually sentenced to prison, it is now 2011. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. He's sentenced to 20 years, so he would get out what? Like, his projected release date would be 2031? Yeah. So he's up for parole, parole after a few years, which is kind of normal. And so at these parole hearings, the dad is going to go to just talk no, and make I sure don't he doesn't know why I thought like he had waived that too. Like he no. waived appeals, but he didn't waive per- the possibility of parole. No, like oh. of being released early. No, he didn't waive that. Oh, he just, yeah, he just waived his right to appeals, which means like, you know, if he, if he had won an appeal, then they would toss the case out and yeah, it starts absolutely. all over and he gets released from prison dur- yeah. on m- most or under most circumstances. Sometimes they remand you. And, like, they charge you again, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's just, there's different things that happen with different cases. But, yeah. Technically, he's going to be released eventually. Right. Right? Like, he's going to get to live his life. Mm-hmm. And that's what, pisses, that's what pisses me off about Warren Dixon. Okay? Like, it's just not okay. It's not okay to do this to anybody, to anyone's family. Like, shame on you. I don't think that... I really don't think Sharita was involved with him. I get it that teenagers can be secretive about who it is that they're talking to or hooking up with, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I don't know. But for him to get her to go behind the bridge or like under the bridge, she must have trusted him or, or honestly, he could have been just like threatening her. You don't know if he had a weapon on him or anything. That's true. So I don't know what happened there. And again, like he has not filled in any blanks like it seems like he refuses to do so i mean in true like bitch ass fashion Mm -hmm. so it is what it is and the last words we'll leave you with are the words of her dad and sharita's aunt and by the way like her mom doesn't make an appearance in any of these episodes and neither do her siblings and i just think like you know it might be hard for them to talk about it that's why And I think the dad has been great at like, you know, taking that on for everybody and being able to like just put her name out there and make sure that no one, you know, no one's going to forget her. Yeah. So the dad and Sharita's aunt wants people to know that it's important to travel in groups and to be aware of your surroundings. And he truly believes that Sharita's life was not wasted. I'm getting goosebumps saying it. But he, he truly believes it was not a waste because 
he feels like people are going to hear her story and it's going to set off a light bulb in a lot of people's heads. You know what I mean? To be Mm -hmm. more careful. Yeah. And that is the Sharita Williams case. Just be careful out there because we live in a spooky world. And if this if this episode didn't make that clear, go back and listen to listen to Tamara Green's episode. Go back and listen to Alberta, you know, Alberta Jones's episode and, you know, go back and listen to those episodes. And I mean, it should be crystal clear at that point. See you guys next Tuesday. (laughs) 